Hey, I'm Daddy, and this is Daddy as Fuck, a throw-it-all-at-me discussion about poly, kink, DDLG, and BDSM, with an emphasis on power exchange through the eyes of a soft DDLG dynamic. You'll hear stories, opinions, and perspectives as we journey through an alternative way of life, what has worked, what hasn't, and thoughts about how to manage choices on a path less taken. So thanks for joining us today, and let's get going down the bunny hole. Hey, it's Daddy, and today we're going to talk about Ooh, jealousy. After a 10-year crusade slamming my head against the wall of jealousy and having it hit back harder, I finally deconstructed what jealousy was to me. And my gut tells me that what I found jealousy to be for me is something that most people would, in one way or another, identify with. So in today's episode, we're going to hear about the stories, challenges, successes, setbacks, and ultimate victory as I charted my course through the thorny patches of taming and even befriending the green monster known as jealousy. Learn how jealousy can be one of the best tools in your relationship toolbox. Let daddy show you a trick or two about how to use it in making your relationships and dynamics strong and rewarding. So are you ready? Buckle up, here we go, down the bunny hole. When I first started out in my relationships, I felt... The concept of jealousy was something that I experienced as much of the world around me. You know, when you're in a couple or you're in a relationship, you know what jealousy is, right? Um, your partner looks at somebody else and you feel weird. Oh, I must be jealous. Um, your partner's talking to somebody else and, oh, I must be jealous. You know, you get those wibbly feelings of like, wait, this person is interested in somebody else other than me. We've had this like six months of magical, like, melting into each other the world is so amazing and i couldn't live without you now all of a sudden he's she's laughing at his jokes hmm i must be jealous jealousy is something that the world tell us is tells us something we feel when we're uncomfortable watching our partner experience um pleasant trees with another person if they seem to like another person if they seem to be connected to another person they seem to get along well with another person well those weird feelings we feel must be jealousy and they must be bad oh well they're not they are if you don't know what to do with them and even when you do know what to do with them eh, good or bad doesn't fucking matter i don't like labeling feelings as good or bad they're just feelings, and they tell us something about what's happening to us right now and what we're making it mean for our lives. So for me, my first marriage, I never really got to dive into jealousy. I had times where I experienced it, and it was in a very traditional sense that I experienced it. Uh, and I managed it in very much the traditional ways. I just felt really bad and swallowed it and maybe lashed out a little bit, maybe said a little, um, you know, a couple of uh, passive aggressive things to my partner and in a way to get them to kind of prompt them to give me some reassurances. Oh, no, honey, are you jealous? 
No, I'm not jealous. Oh, honey, come here. I love you. Oh, don't worry. He's just a friend. She's just a co-worker. Yeah, you know, the usual shit. But as my uh, second relationship unfolded and I got into swinging, well, hi, Jealousy. How are you? I'm Steve. Nice to meet you. I guess we're going to be friends, frenemies for a while. (laughs) Welcome to our relationship. Have a seat. Let's make some room on the couch for you because you're definitely going to be sitting between me and my wife quite often. Um, So when I first got into swinging, jealousy was 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 a thing that my wife and I kind of bounced my second wife and bounced back and forth between us. Um, She would get jealous of me paying a little bit too much attention to one of our swinger partners when she wasn't necessarily having a good time. Large fights would ensue. I would be quote unquote, no, no quote unquote. I would be pretty much period scarred for life. I still carry those wounds. Um, You know, She would be too into a partner and start to get really emotionally invested and be on a lot of phone calls with that person and doing things that, you know, we had never set any ground rules or never had any discussion about. She would just all of a sudden and, you know, I had done those things, too. We would follow our bliss, right? We were swinging and we would follow our bliss and inevitably run into the wall of our partner's negative feelings about the things that we were doing to have fun. And it's like, I thought I had permission to kiss her. And she's like, you did, but I was uncomfortable. Couldn't you see that? Well, I thought I had permission to talk on the phone with him. I thought it was okay. I mean, we just spent the weekend at their house. Isn't it okay that I call him and talk to him and Tell him what a great time I had and have some laughs. You feel you're 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 coming at me because I'm just calling our friends that you spent the weekend with too and having some laughs. You're upset about me having some laughs. I'm like, yeah, because why are you on the phone with him when I'm home here and you should be spending time with me? Jealousy. That weird negative feeling that comes up when you see your partner doing something that tells you in the back of your head. I want that, or that's my attention, that's my time. I feel uncomfortable, therefore it's wrong that you should be happy and having fun right now. (laughs) Yeah, jealousy really got me and my second wife really good because we were fucking other people, and, you know, even though we agreed to do so, you know, when you thrust your head down into that bunny hole, you're going to get slapped around and come out with mud on your face, and we definitely did. Now, the first real trappings of jealousy for me, other than the usual run-ins that looked and smelled like jealousy, but the big one was when one of our friends, we'll call him Alex, gave um, my second wife, my my ex-wife, a copy of The Ethical Slut and said, here, I think you should read this. This would be great. You know, it'll help you process some of these emotions. And I think Steve would read it, too. And when she brought that book to me, I was like, why are we reading this? We're just swinging. I don't need to know about opening up our marriage. I mean, I, I don't want to open up our marriage. We're just swinging. It was fun. It was a great weekend. Can we just put it to bed and move on? And maybe we'll do it again if we feel like it. I don't want to be talking about forming relationships with these people. And, you know, clearly my, my wife 
was interested in that. And I, I had no idea that that was even really a thing. I just thought we were swinging. I wasn't aware of the potential evolutions at the time. And that was the seed that planted the jealousy because of my, my real jealousy. This is the jealousy that I spent 10 years conquering, right? There's the little jealousies along the way that we all manage. And this podcast is going to help with those. But what, what really cracked the nut for me, <clears throat> excuse me, was when one of our partners gave my wife this book. Now, at this point, I just want to say that I'm talking an awful lot about swinging or about to be telling a lot of stories surrounding my experiences of swinging. And although it may not be relevant for most listeners out there, the reason I'm telling these stories is because these were the pathways to me discovering what I feel is a rather universal approach to dealing with jealousy in relationships. So let me get on with the story. So I read that book and I was, if you've ever read The Ethical Slut, it gets really deep into about opening up your sexuality and it's very sex positive. It's an awesome book. It's a good read. And if you're in the right frame of mind, there's a lot in there that can help you down that path. But I was in the frame of mind as this is my marriage. This is my wife. And we're out having fun every once in a while. And this book is all about like sharing my wife with other people. What the actual fuck? So that planted a huge seed of jealousy. And up to that point, everything we did was always together. So it became a threat now that she wants me, he wanted her to have me read this book about having relationships outside of the marriage. I'm like, wow, that was the seed of jealousy getting planted right there. And then now that relationship continued. So I'll go on. We also met in the lifestyle um, a friend of ours who claimed that he never gets jealous. He's like, I'm, nope, never get jealous. Never had a jealous bone in my body. And I'm like, well, how, do you, how did you do that? He's like, I don't know. I've just never been jealous. I'm like, well, you must not love your wife. He's like, you kidding me? I love my wife and, and kids. You know, I, I love my marriage. I just, I, I don't get jealous. I'm like, you don't get jealous watching your wife have a connection with all these other guys. He's like, nope, not at all. Of course, she never really had a strong connection with any of the other guys. As I look back now and I look at those relationships, I'm like, well, she, some of those relationships never really gave him anything that threatened him, threatened his relationships. But I was still intrigued at the man who claimed he never got jealous. And I, I knew him for several years, uh, probably eight years. I knew that guy. And then there were the people I met in the lifestyle that we would sit around the hot tub and we would talk about swinger stuff. And, you know, of course, there's the stories of erectile dysfunction. Of course, you know, when you get into a lot of fights with your wife or your, your partner, I should say, your partner, when you get into a lot of fights in that setting with your partner and you engage with a new uh, new sexual partners come into the picture, now you're, you're worried, you're concerned. You're like, oh, crap, am I doing the right thing? Oh, crap, am I going to get hell for this later? Oh, crap, should I be doing this right now? I better not. And then all of a sudden you can't. For a guy, you can't, you can't get hard. So there's all these stories of erectile dysfunction that eventually it happens to everybody in the lifestyle. And they were telling me, oh, I'll just take Viagra. I'll just take Cialis. And, and I said to myself, and I said to them, no, I'm not taking it because as far as I'm concerned, my body is telling me that I am not comfortable. And I don't want to be the kind of guy who plows through with a drug and does something that he's going to look back later and regret when he comes home with his partner and find out that she's absolutely pissed at him. At least at this point, I'm getting yelled at for kissing a girl or giving a girl too much attention. Do I really want to add the complication of Viagra into the scene and then 
fucking myself crazy with somebody and having my partner be extra super pissed at me? No, thank you. If I can't do it, if I'm not comfortable, then maybe I shouldn't be doing it. Well, <laughs> you know what that got me? That got me, uh, let's see, it was 2002 to 2017, that, uh, 15 long years of hell in the lifestyle battling with meeting couples being attracted to them and like not really being able to perform very well because I'm carrying all this PTSD from my jealousy in my early swinging days and that seed that was planted about that guy who wanted to, you know, create a relationship out of our swinger situation and we didn't have any of the tools to process any of that. So I refused the drugs because I said, no, I don't want to take Viagra to go have sex because if my body won't let me have sex, it's got to be for a good reason. So I started my 10-year crusade against jealousy. And you know who we did it with? We did it with that other couple uh, that uh, we called him Alex that gave the ethical slut book to my wife back in 2004. And I didn't finally conquer jealousy until about 2014. And we openly worked with this other couple to do it. They knew, like he called point blank. He says, you know, you, you, you get jealous. That's what that's, the, you know, and for no reason, you know, just like let's we're just having fun. Let's have fun. There's no threat. Meanwhile, I always felt like there was this threat in the background. You know, um, we had gone away to visit them down uh, where they lived in another state. And we stayed with them for the whole weekend. And the first half of the weekend was great. You know, I, I managed to, 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 to get some playing in with her and my, my, part, my ex-wife managed to get some playing in with him and we had some group play and some separate play and it was nice. But as the weekend went on, I started to notice that I kind of wanted my wife back and, you know, she was like, well, we're here, you know, we should make the most of it and, you know, what can I do to help? And I'm like, well, I just kind of want to just, I want to do this, but at the same time, I'm having a hard time. So can you just like acknowledge that? And she's like, absolutely. What do you need me to do? I'm like, I, I just, I want to do this. So let's go do this. And I really wanted to do it. Like at the time, I wanted to conquer my jealousy. So she would be with him and I would be with her and we'd all be on the couch and he would be having a great time and the two girls would be having a great time. And I would be feeling like, I love this. This is great, but I'm not physically aroused. What the fuck? I'm running up against all of these goddamn walls and, and, and I can't get over them. So I ended up like having to pee. So I went in the bathroom and I'm sitting on the toilet and all of a sudden I'm just like crying out of the blue, just trying to release all the fucking tension. And I'm like, this is surreal. My wife's out there getting fucked by a guy and a girl and I'm in here dying to join in, but crying because I can't. And I ended up going back out there and just kind of hooking up with my wife after they were done. And, you know, I told myself I had a great time. And uh, flash forward like four years and we're all in Florida and we have a big party with a bunch of people. It was the guy who doesn't get jealous and his wife and their friend and their wife and, and uh, this Alex guy and his wife and me and my wife. So there's eight of us and we go out and we party in South Beach and we got this 22, 22nd floor condo overlooking the beach and, you know, we're having a great time. And the end of the night comes and, you know, we're, we're all... We're all partying and I'm, you know, he goes with, uh, most of them leave and Alex goes in the bedroom with, with my wife and I go in the living room with his wife and, you know, the first half for me was great and then all of a sudden I just kind of like lost 
my momentum. And, you know, I, I did my best to get through it, but really couldn't complete. And, you know, my wife and Alex came out and they're like, oh, we had a great time. And I ended up going back in the bedroom with my wife and we just kind of like talked and I fell asleep. And the next day they left for the airport and, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to pack up and take a shower. And I'm just like in the shower. And I again, I just break down and I'm just crying in the bathtub because this whole amazing weekend that I planned which was logistically perfect, you know, bringing four couples together that got along and partied in South Beach and all these sexy vibes and feelings and times. And we rocked that city, but I couldn't rock shit because I had all of these fucking feelings in the way. <clears throat> so what did I do? I spent my last hour in Miami crying in the shower and my wife came in and she, uh, you know, ex-wife came in and she found me and she, of course she was very compassionate and she was like, we've got to stop doing this. And I'm like, no, I want to get through this. I need to get through this. So, you know, we told the other couple what happened and they were like, man, we can, we, we can figure this out. We can work this out. You know, of course he was motivated. Him and my wife were having a great time and she really liked me and I really liked her. Uh, but I, I just, just like emotional, emotionally like stunted by jealousy. And it, it's just absolutely blew my mind. But eventually I got there. Eventually I got there. After about 10 years of working with this couple, going on vacations with them and partying them, and don't get me wrong, we had some nice times too. There were some times like once, once a trip, I was able to have a really good time and then my feelings would kind of creep back in. You know, it's almost like I needed that time and space to build the excitement and the energy and then all of a sudden I would I would get together with them and I'd be so excited and the excitement would just explode. And then the weekend would would be ahead of us after that initial night. And then I would see my ex, my ex-wife interacting with with the guy and I'd be like, oh, man, all of a sudden the threatening feelings would come in and I didn't know what I needed. Well, we went down to visit them one time. And I think it was the time I was crying in the bathroom down at their house. And I confessed to my wife on my way home. She was like, I had an amazing time. Everything seemed to go really, really well. And I'm like, yeah, except for the fact that I was crying in the bathroom. And she was like, oh, God. And I just totally ruined the whole weekend for her in that one moment. She was like, honey, we can't keep doing this. I feel terrible. Like, I don't want you to feel terrible. You had a great time. I'm on the verge of something here. And we ended up going home and she told them all about what happened and they felt terrible and they both called me and I talked to them and I says, I want to keep doing this. I want to keep doing this. I want to figure this out. And I talked to my wife about it. And one day I was sitting on the couch and she came out to me and she said, what do you need from me to know that I'm not going to leave you for him? And I looked back, I looked up at her and I said, what do you mean? She said, what do you need from me? What kind of reassurance do you need from me? Like, you're so jealous of, of my connection with him, but here I am right in front of you. I am yours. I am your wife. She's, he's, he's her husband. We had fun and we're home and we're in our house and you're acting like I'm still with him. 
And I looked at her and I said, you know what? You know what I need? I need them to know that you feel that way. And the next day she got on the phone and she had a conversation with them. And then they had got on the phone and had a conversation with me. And everybody knew that Jennifer was my wife. And he reassured me. He's like, dude, I have a great connection with your wife, but she's your wife. I don't want her to leave you for me. That's not what I want. I want us all to get together. I want us all to have a good time. And now all the people were aligned with supporting that my biggest fear that I saw what was happening was that she was having a connection with him and that was pulling her away from me. And my biggest fear was that she was going to leave me. And I didn't realize that. I took it for granted that she's my wife and we were swinging. So of course she's never going to leave me. But that was my biggest fear. That was what was driving my jealousy. So her actually saying that to me and, and, and just coincidentally addressing my biggest fear cleared the entire room. And when the other couple came forward and we involved them in the conversation and they too addressed my biggest fear, boop, jealousy was gone. And in that singular moment, I realized that I had a need that I wasn't in touch with. There was something that I needed. There was a reassurance that I needed. And I needed everybody involved to know what I needed And I needed everybody involved to commit to giving me what I needed and follow through by making choices and taking actions that represented what I needed. And as long as that was happening, jealousy was gone and I was fucking finally set free. We planned another trip to go down there. We went down there and the strangest thing happened. I got together with the wife, with with Alex's wife, and we had a great time. And my wife had a great time with him and we all had a great time together. And you know what? As the weekend progressed, I realized that my appetite was pretty much satisfied early on in the trip, and I didn't really care to, to engage all that much in the sexy fun. But you know what? I said to my wife, I said, you know what? Go. Please go. Have a good time. I'm going to be out here doing X, Y, Z. We're, you know, so-and-so and I are going to watch a movie. We're going to hang out. And I didn't, I honestly, it didn't bother me one bit. I remember going in the bedroom at one point and taking a nap and she came in and she was like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing great. Are you guys having fun? And she's like, I don't want to, you know, Alex wants to have sex, but I don't, I don't want to have sex because I don't want to upset you. I'm like, would you please just go have fun? I'm fine because I knew we were all on the same page and I was able to acknowledge that, hey, I don't want sex right now, but you're here and you might want sex right now. So go have sex right now. And when you're done, come back because you know what? You're my wife. You're going to go have sex as my wife. You're going to come back as my wife and we're going to have a great time because this is what we agreed to and everybody here is addressing my needs. Boop. Simple. Problem solved. (laughs) That was for me how I conquered jealousy. But let me get a little bit more into What's behind the scenes of that? Because it's a great story, but what was actually going on? Okay, so I've shared my story. Now you know I'm not talking out of my ass. 
you know what I've been through. And even though I did it through a very extreme swinger situation, doesn't mean that the same feelings and challenges that I wrestled in that extreme situation isn't as extreme for you and your relationships. That's the thing about jealousy, right? It's, as I'm going to talk about, it's a cocktail of feelings and that's a cocktail that can be mixed up just about anywhere with any poison. And I guess poison is just relative, right? Because it's entirely possible to change how you relate to jealousy. I know. I mean, it doesn't have to take 10 years. It, it just, it took me 10 years to have that instantaneous moment where I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? It was that easy. But the truth is that I was only a victim of jealousy until I committed myself to being free of it. And it had to be in my own way. I wanted to be free of its hold over me. I wanted to let it go. But I had to find out my own way. So what I'm doing here is saying this is how I did it. This is like my little roadmap. Take a walk down that path. See what it does for you and your jealousy, you know. Because feelings aren't good or bad. They're not right or wrong. I mean, just because you're happy one day and you're sad the next, there's reasons, right? There's things bouncing off of you that bring about that feeling of happiness. There's things that jolt you around that bring about that feeling of sadness. They're, they're just feelings. Some of them feel good because the chemicals they release in our body makes us want to experience them again because they make us feel safe and secure and they, or they remind us of things that make us feel safe and secure and loved. And some feelings, some of them just hurt and they release another set of uh, chemicals in our brain that make us want to protect ourselves and survive, right? And then some just leave us empty and numb because we don't know exactly how to interpret them. But emotions are just that, you know? They're, they're just emotions. They're an internal response to the world around us that at, at many times we have in common with the rest of the world. And, you know, again, I said in one of my earlier episodes, like, just look into the movies, look in media, look at the world around you, you know? You don't need to look very far to realize that different cultures teach their normative, right? And that's the way the herd goes. And when you get a little off the track, sometimes it's hard to come up with the right definition. Sometimes it's hard to power through you know, the basic interpretations of our emotions because we're living in such extraordinary relationships. And I think that's a beautiful thing. It's to be commended, but it takes work. You know, we're taught that feelings have different meanings in society because we need to find a way to interpret what's going on in our lives and relating it to the lives around us. And that's also a way of becoming a, pa a pack or a herd. You know, if we identify with each other, um, you know, if we share meaning, of any given situation that creates agreement among us and our peers, right? And that, that togetherness is safety in numbers. In fact, most of us share stories in search of just that validation. You know, hey, can you believe what he did to me? Here, listen to this story. Oh my God, are you kidding me? Oh shit, Jerry did something like that last week. And it just, you know, validation, bonding, Getting through things together, offering each other advice, survival, how to make it work. What makes feelings right, wrong, or good or bad is interpretation of those feelings by what we've learned in our life. You know, what examples we've had, what experiences we've had. You know, we've seen examples in our very first relationships and maybe even we're comparing them to past experiences of our own. But on their own, inside our heads... 
Feelings are just indicators that we're responding to something that's happening in the world around us. That's it. And if you learn how your brain interprets situations around you when they're happening to you, look at the patterns. You know, they say like, I always used to say, oh my God, here, here, here's another piece of advice and journal. You need to journal. I always used to hate that advice, journal. But it's fucking true. I mean, I, I never journaled, but I, I guess I did it in my own way through observing. I like to observe. I've said earlier on, I like body language and reading body language and reading social situations. So I like to observe. So I guess it's my own way of journaling through my life. But you'll see patterns and you'll get to recognize those patterns that the feelings you have are generally an indication that you're responding to something happening in the world around you. And, you know, certain feelings are going to be in response to situations that are going to start to look the same and maybe even you can, you know, see them coming in advance and maybe anticipate the kind of feelings that you're going to be dealing with. And if you can do that, you'd be like a fucking relationship Jedi. You'd be like, I feel some uncomfortableness coming. Uncomfortableness has been dispatched. Or at least you can talk about it and create a bonding moment out of it with your partner. You know, that's what baby girl and I do. I was like, very early on in our relationship, I was like, ah, I'm feeling this. I didn't want to say anything. And she'd be like, I was feeling this and I didn't want to say anything. And then we'd say the thing and we'd be like, oh, my God, we have to keep sharing because such a powerful insight would come out of talking about it together, you know. So if you can understand how your feelings are indicators that are responding to what's happening in your world around you, in your environment, and you can kind of say, oh, yeah, I recognize this feeling coming on. Let me look around my life for a second. Mm, okay, yep, right over there, I see that thing that's really getting to me. And then guess what? At that point, you've caught it ahead of time, right? You've stopped the dog before he's jumped on your leg. Congratulations, you just trained the dog. So now that you start to see that shit coming, you have a moment to breathe and a moment to relax before that feeling takes you over and you lose all choice. That's the hard part. That's not what humans are trained to do. We're trained to fight or flight. And that's the truth. Recognizing a threat coming and then sitting there and having the luxury of deciding what to do about it, well, I guess that's a relatively new development as far as a species is concerned. So it's no doubt we're fucking shitty at it. Making feelings good or bad colors our choices immensely. And when the world around us is telling us that your husband sleeping with another woman is bad... Well, it's going to color your choices. It's going to color your perception. And those moments when those feelings hit you, they're going to wash over you through that filter. And you're going to feel like, well, yeah, he's doing something wrong. He's stressing out our marriage by sleeping with this other woman. And I let him and he owes me X, Y, Z. And, you know, this he, sh he should be thanking me. And he's so fucking lucky that we get to live this lifestyle that allows him to do that. And he's like, wow, you know, I didn't even... All I had to do was crack the door and that shit came out because that's what is ingrained in us, you know, and we can regress there. We can choose and commit to these alternative lifestyles, but the door is right there and it's always unlocked unless you were raised in a poly community, poly household by exceptional people which if you were, congratulations, but if you were raised in the normative world, that door that I just opened is always unlocked and ready to swing open any minute we feel like we're being threatened and we don't know how to deal with it. Our body's going to fight or flight. Our brain is going to kick in and fight or flight. It's instinct. 
unless we learn what our feelings are indicating to us. And then we have a moment where we can maybe maybe make a choice, a choice that will honor the path that we have taken, the brave and courageous path to foster relationships that are non-normative. Because feelings are they're innate part of being human. And it's the so-called good feelings that promote overall health and well-being, and everybody harps on good feelings, got to feel good, got to be happy. You know, I guess they are quote-unquote good. They promote growth and encourage us to be strong, kind, and supportive humans. But the so-called bad feelings, they're not wrong. They're just indicators. Indicators that if we let them can cause us to develop habits that prevent us from seeing positive ways out of hurtful, difficult, and painful situations. Bad feelings are often indicators that trigger us to survive. And sometimes that means lashing out against our partner and pointing at something they did to protect ourselves. But if we see them as indicators that we're hurt and threatened and scared, and we examine the situation then maybe we can see a positive way out of a potentially hurtful, difficult, or painful situation. Now I ask, what would be possible if you could move past the feeling itself? The harder you hold on to something, the more you focus on it. Maybe not your mind, but your body. Because it takes energy to hold on to something. And usually, your mind is engaged as well, on some level. Otherwise, why would it be telling your body to hold on to it? The longer you focus on something, the longer it will stick around. Because it's what you're focused on. When we resist a feeling or an emotion, we have to be focused on it. How can you remain vigilant about defending yourself against an emotion unless you're constantly focused on it, aware of it, threatened by it, putting up your defenses to it? Telling ourselves a feeling is wrong and that we don't want it, that we don't want to feel the way we feel is resisting it. And by resisting it, you're holding on to it because you have to protect yourself from that constant threat. Focusing and holding on to that emotion by fighting against it keeps that emotion active and ever-present in your life. Have you ever had anxiety to the point where you have an eye twitch or a lump in your throat like I did for about nine months straight at one point when my girlfriend and my ex-wife weren't getting along and we weren't sure quite how it was going to resolve. I was fighting so many unspoken emotions, emotions of self-preservation and well-being. You can't fight against something that isn't there. And it's the same with jealousy. If you try to take the focus off yourself and fight back by resisting or doing something, lashing out at your partner, you're holding on to that emotion. 
because you can't fight against something that isn't there. My martial arts instructor told me a long time ago the best way to win a fight is not to be there. And it's, it doesn't make sense. It's like, well, if don't, don't you have to actually fight to win the fight? Well, if winning the fight means surviving and walking away, then just, just walk away and you've already won. Took a little bit to sink in, but yeah, if the objective of winning a fight is to come out the other side safe from the threat, then just remove yourself from the threat. Is the more you fight, the more you're grasping that opponent and keeping them in the ring. It's the same way with feelings, you know. If you don't make your emotions wrong and you seek to move past them, let them flow through you, even though it may take a while, they won't linger. If you make them wrong and you find reasons why you're feeling the way you feel and hold them up in front of you as a constant example of why you feel the way you feel and how, how upset you are about it, even going so far as to gather agreement and proof that makes your pain real. Even if it's in a veiled attempt to get help, then you're keeping them in the fight. You know, think of it like this. I mean, we've all done it. All right, let me give you a little litmus test. Ever have a situation in your life where someone did, so did or said something to piss you off and you just couldn't let it go? So you went around and told people about it, like you told your mother, and she was like, oh, maybe they didn't really mean it that way. And you're like, no, fuck that. Of course they did. I can't believe it. They're assholes. And you tell your brother and your brother's like, what a fucking dick. I can't believe they did that. And you tell your friend and you're like, holy shit, are you kidding me? Wow, what are you going to do about that? That's terrible. And you start to notice that you like the answers that validate your bad feelings. You're looking for that agreement. And even though it's not helping, right, it's just making you more and more angry. And you're like, yeah, you're working through it. You're owning it. You're putting it out there. But at the same time, just like come clean. Did you ever notice that you, you when your mom said, May maybe they didn't mean it that way, that the first instinct you had was to say, no, fuck that. Of course they meant it that way and moved on to find somebody who saw it the same way you did. If you've done that then you were holding on to those bad feelings and gathering proof to prove that your pain is real and a veiled attempt to get help. I mean, it's good. It's good to talk to people about it because someone might give you the agreement you need, but then also have the emotional intelligence to bring in some of, like in that example, your mom's perspective and kind of say, hey, yeah, that really fucking sucks and I can't believe they did that, but why do you think they did that? I mean... You know, you've known them for 20 years. What's going on in their life? Are they having a bad day or blah, 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 blah? They might, that, that might be true help through the situation, but you can do that for yourself. But resisting feeling what we call bad emotions only helps them stick around longer. And that is what keeps jealousy such an acceptable constant in our relationships. But it doesn't have to be that way. For reasons mentioned in the last segment, many of us want to avoid jealousy. We want to avoid it at all costs. The lump in our throat, the anxiety, the eye twitches that last for weeks. 
Heart palpitations that scream at us. You're losing something you care about and you're powerless to do anything about it. Jealousy fucking sucks. It's crippling. Crippling. It's a soup of emotions that undercuts our relationships and it drowns out everything positive with fear, insecurity, and anger. We just see red. We just want to cry. We just want to roll up in a ball and believe that nobody can love us. That we are unworthy. And that's why we must be being treated this way. It sucks. Because it's a soup of shitty fucking emotions is what jealousy is. We want nothing more to avoid those feelings at all costs. And we'll do anything to do it. We'll put restrictions on our partner. We'll blame them. We'll beat them up for it. Even when we do the same things and they come at us and we, do, we react defensively, it sucks because it's not rational. And each one of us internalizes it a little bit different, you know, because my soup of emotions doesn't have the same ingredients that you do. You might be way more secure than I am, but um, you might have abandonment issues, you know. It's whatever's in your soup, you know what I'm saying? But we want nothing more than to avoid those feelings at all costs. And it's in that avoidance that we miss a huge opportunity. If we see feelings as just feelings, then it's an opportunity to respond to our world with choice. And that's what happened to me in that huge, long first part of this podcast where I explained the whole scenario that led up to my boop, jealousy's gone. I realized in that one moment when my ex-wife said to me, what do you need from me? And it was right in that context, right in the context of the conversation that we were having when we were deconstructing just a little bit in our own way, because we weren't really deconstructors, but we picked apart. <laughs> it left a lot of meat on the bone, but we picked apart. So in the context of us Picking apart the situation, she said to me in that moment, just what do you need from me? And I said, I need to know that you're not going to leave me for this guy. I want everybody here to know how important I am to you and how important we are to each other. And what we have comes first. And what we have is your priority and my priority. I want everybody in this situation to know that. And if she did that, oh my God, talk about reimagining your past. Talk about reimagining your past. Because it's in the avoidance of the emotions and the doing everything not to feel them that I missed a huge opportunity. To just look at my feeling, the feeling like that one feeling I didn't want to admit. I didn't want to admit. I'm, I'm trying to be a swinger. The last thing I wanted to admit was I was afraid my wife was going to leave me for my swinger partner. I felt like a weak fucking loser. I'm supposed to be out there with a swinging dick fucking chicks. I'm married and I get to fuck all the chicks I want as long as it's okay with my wife and we manage ourselves respectably. But I couldn't do it. And I felt like a credible fucking failure. Because I'm really not a swinger. I just, I kind of like the energy, but I don't, I don't like that lifestyle. I, I really, as you've heard in other episodes, I really just want to have one person that means the world to me. And I'm poly-minded, absolutely, and I can have multiple relationships, but my fucking dream at this point in my life, right here today, 
I just want one person who means the world to me. And I have that right now. And back then, I was trying to be something completely different, something that I wasn't. And I wasn't willing to admit that I was afraid that she was going to leave me for him because I wanted to be this cool swinger guy. So for 10 years, I was ignoring the emotions because I knew that if I admitted them, I would be basically saying my whole life that I was trying to live was a lie and I was a fake and I was a fraud. Okay, that's what I was, but I was trying to avoid it. But, knowing that, <laughs> I can look at the situation and say, here's the kernel. Take the cue that something in our relationship needs attention when we feel these profoundly, profoundly unpleasant feelings. Somewhere, something is happening that is triggering these emotions. If you feel jealousy... Stop and think about what feelings you're feeling. I'm not feeling jealous. Jealousy, deeper than that, I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling afraid. I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling um, disrespected. Uh, I'm feeling threatened. All of these emotions may be going on when you feel what the world calls as jealous. Jealous Jealousy is not an emotion. Jealousy is a state made up of many emotions that are saying that somewhere something is happening in your life that's triggering these emotions. Emotions that we can examine and see, I feel threatened. Well, why am I feeling threatened? And that will point to a situation. And when it points to the situation, you can discern what you might need that's not being met, what underlying need isn't being met, and that if it was being met, you would not feel threatened anymore. Hmm. Wouldn't that restore feelings of safety and security, like it did to me on that fateful day when, boop, the jealousy disappeared and I felt incredibly secure in my marriage? Won't examining the jealousy to its composite feelings and sourcing each feeling to the underlying need, won't that restore our view of ourselves in our relationship to a healthy, positive, and productive place? If we acknowledge that I feel threatened because when you go on a date with him, you do not remain in contact with me and it makes me feel like all you really want to do is be with that person and that you're not thinking of me anymore. And that's an easy situation to solve between two people that love each other. And all of a sudden you can ask for what you need. And maybe you don't need to be notified or communicated with every time your partner is with their other partner. Maybe just saying that out loud and having the other person agree to do it gives you the space to say, no, no, I'm being stupid. I guess I just needed to hear you say that. I want you to focus on them and enjoy yourself because I've been down that road too. Examining one of my emotions and underlying needs and speaking about it to my partner and then realizing that when they agreed to give me the thing that I thought I needed, I realized that that's all I needed was them to say, Sure, I'll be happy to do that for you, for me to step out of my own skin enough to realize that I was being selfish and, 
in depriving them of something that I really wanted them to have. That's what's on the flip side of jealousy. The feeling that you want your partner to have what they want to have. I mean, think about it. When we all got together with our partners and we we're in love and we're falling in love, don't you, wouldn't you bend over backwards to please your partner? I would snap my back in five places to please my baby girl. She wouldn't have much use for me after that. But I'm just making a point. That's how I feel. I feel like I would do that. I want nothing more than her happiness. Now, sometimes happiness hurts. Like when my ex-wife called me up at 2.30 in the afternoon and told me that, hi, I'm calling from the car and I've packed up my stuff and I'm going to move in with my boyfriend now. And I guess we're getting a divorce. That hurts. But at the end of the day, after all of the conversations were had and everything was hung out on the line to dry, I do love her. She was my wife for 18 years and we were best friends, you know. And uh, I want for her happiness. It's not going to be with me. And I still want her to be happy. And I guess even in that, whether you're working through something with someone that you're deeply in love with, and they're deeply in love with you, and you need to clear something out of the way to deepen your connection, or you're in a circumstance where, you know, things get, things get sad and, and tough things happen and relationships transition. Make it one where we can at least work with our partner instead of fear them, hurt them, or lash out at them. And how do we do that? By recognizing when we're having these feelings, especially jealousy. Because jealousy is nothing but feelings. A ball of them. And if you really, honest to God, do break down all of the different feelings that are, comp- that are making up your jealousy you will find the underlying need that's not being met for each one of those. Then, jealousy becomes a tool, my friends. A trusted friend that instead of whispering dark, despairing thoughts, sending you into a tailspin of epic proportions, that friend now taps you on the shoulder and says, Hey friend, dark times ahead. If you don't deal with this shit, like, right now. Next up on Daddy as Fuck, evolution in poly relationships and the desire to please. Follow along as Daddy explores the journey from meeting Baby Girl as a single person and how they became polyfidelitous. How relationships can evolve as quickly as one day to the next without you even knowing it. Discover how Daddy went from a complete freakout about the emotional shift he was experiencing to realizing just how deep the dynamic with his partner had evolved. And how Baby Girl unwittingly but so clearly uncovers How the desire to please can become so strong that it overpowers the needs of self and becomes primary. Remember, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for Daddy, you can email daddy underscore af at comcast.net. As always, there's no better way to make sure I stick around than with a donation, leaving some feedback, or subscribing to this podcast. 
Thanks for joining me down the bunny hole. Until next time.